Thank you, Lord, for healing and freedom and that you've got our children. You've got everything. Uh, good morning, church. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, I want to um, uh, just welcome those that are joining in online. We're glad you're with us this morning. Uh, we are going to be continuing in our series uh, through the letter of Paul to the church at Colossae, to the Colossians. Um, if you uh, have that on your Bibles, you can turn to chapter 2, verse 6, uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians. And what we are going to do today is we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about uh, Jesus to those who have never really decided to follow Jesus. We're going to I pray, encourage you to jump in with both feet. We're going to pray for whom, those of you that Jesus is somewhat of a new part of your life, and you're going to be super encouraged to grow and to take your next step with him. And those of you who have been walking with Jesus for a long time, um, we trust that today uh, you will be encouraged uh, in, in fresh ways uh, to see the world. Uh, the way he does. And um, just to kick us off, I have a picture that I received this morning, uh, or two pictures, I guess, from our evangelist, Samuel Denturi, uh, in a village in northwest Nigeria. Uh, this village has uh, got a bunch of new people in Christ, and uh, was uh, an amazing story of this evangelist, Samuel Denture. Uh, he tells me that this morning, uh, seven hours ahead of our time, uh, 154 new believers gathered for worship this morning. Yeah. And among other things of bringing the kingdom of God, Samuel is teaching them the gospel, but he's also teaching them what this says about farming. And they are learning some things about farming, and this has caught the attention not just of the new believers and some of the older believers, but also the Muslims that live in community with them. And this is something that is going to transform uh, the, the community of uh, Farin Dutse. So uh, as, uh, as we dive into this text, think of Paul writing a letter to a new church. Uh, this church, he didn't start, a disciple of his started the church, and they've got all kinds of trouble that they're dealing with. Information, bad teaching, all kinds of stuff going on. This is precisely what's been going on in Ferenduce, and Samuel is now there patiently beginning uh, to walk them through what it means um, to live in Jesus. So that's what we're going to do today, and uh, I have the privilege of uh, doing this message with my son, Michael, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. So would you welcome him? I still have to respect the hand-cut rafters and trusses. What's that? I have to respect the hand-cut rafters and trusses. Yes, yes. We'll hear more about rafters and trusses later on this morning. And uh, I just have to comment on the beards. We're having so many guys with beards up here. Uh, they're taking over. You know, P&G paid $57 billion for Gillette uh, a number of years ago, and everybody's growing a beard now. 
So the razor business is deadly, but you guys look great. What can I say? I definitely wouldn't come up here without putting some beard oil on, Jamie. So. Um, you want to okay. yeah, read so our text today? Let's read the text for today. This is from Colossians 2, 6 through 15. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Um, the word of God, you know... One, one note I just want to say, I mean, yeah, we could, we could just read that a few times and leave, is how thankful we are for the revealed word of God. I mean, it's, it's amazing that we can be, Amen. we can read it freely in this country, um, and we would just be so lost without God's revelation to us. And uh, in, in, uh, in the Jewish, uh, when we went up to, uh, what was it, Bet Messiah, the, mm-hmm. the Messianic synagogue, they, they would bring the Torah out of the, out of the cabinet, and they would bring it down and people would kiss it and so my children and I sometimes do that at, at dinner we, we kiss the word because it's so precious to us and so that's mm-hmm. a big part of what this message is going to be about but next slide I'll, I'll break it down for you guys we're going to do uh, three three parts the first part is God's plan staying rooted in Jesus like we just talked about um, the second second is Satan's plan you know, the counter the counterattack deceptive philosophies and then third, lastly, God's process for kingdom victory. So that's how we're going to kind of go through this. Thank you. You want to pray for us? Yeah, I'll pray. Lord, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for, for revealing truth to us. Help us decipher between what is true and what is a lie. Help us align our lives to give you the Lord glory. And uh, I just ask that uh, you would speak through us. And that only the truth would, would land and everything, every, every falsity would be swept away like chaff. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, so let's dive into part one, God's plan, which is to stay rooted in Jesus. Uh, the uh, verses six and seven tell us that, uh, they tell us a few things. I'm just going to point out four things. Uh, first of all, receiving Jesus as Lord. Uh, oftentimes we think of Jesus, and rightly so, as our Savior. He saves us. Um, but there's a, there's a difference when you say Christ as Lord, because it's the difference between allowing him to save us and making him the center, the boss, the master, the owner of our lives. So that's one thing we want to highlight there. Second thing is the idea that we 
live our lives in Him. In Him. Paul said that in God we live and move and have our being in, in the book of Acts. Well, it, it, here uh, we are really picking up one of the key vision parts of Marymount Community Church. When you see on our website, living and loving in Jesus, living in Jesus, it doesn't, it doesn't autom- it automatically sound uh, right. It sounds almost like grammatically incorrect, living in Jesus. Uh, you know, we want sometimes to live for Jesus or to live with Jesus. But this text tells us that we are grafted into him and actually he is our life. He actually is our life. And so his identity, his character, his presence, his power is what we are anchored into. And that's why we want to be rooted in him, living in him, loving in him, praying in him, uh, everything in him. Uh, thirdly, he, he talks here about growing and being strengthened. There, there's no standing still in the Christian journey. There's no standing still. It's, it's continuing to grow and be strengthened and be rooted. We make mistakes. We fail. We confess. We receive forgiveness. We move on. We continue to seek more of Him. Uh, and so that's why we have, uh, for example, small groups in this church. About 70% of our church is in a small group. We do that because we recognize that one hour on Sunday... Uh, may not be enough. There's, there's information uh, doesn't get exchanged here as much as it does in a small group. And the small group allows you to dive in and to put into practice and talk about putting into practice and keeping each other encouraged in putting into practice what we're learning, keep growing. Uh, and then finally, overflowing with thanksgiving. Gratitude is the key barometer, the key barometer of knowing if you're living in Jesus or not, that your, your heart is experiencing gratitude. So, Michael, do you want to elaborate on that, uh, illustrate that? Yeah, I think, um, I think one of the, the keys to this verse is when it says, so then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord. So I, I kind of want to give the, the, the church my testimony of, kind of paint a picture of what it was like when I received Christ Jesus as Lord and hopefully spur you guys to think about what it was like when you first knew him as Lord. And so um, it was, uh, I was at Xavier University. Uh, I was just done my freshman year, uh, going into my sophomore year. Um, I definitely had not received him as Lord. I was uh, Lord Michael Bosager. I was doing whatever I wanted. Um, I was really really living recklessly uh, in many ways. Um, I was abusing alcohol, just basically a a very wild person. Um, And um, it was around that time that God started um, to to work in my life. And one of the things that happened was I was in Montana visiting a teammate, and I was in a uh, four-wheeler accident, and I broke my wrist pretty bad. And so had to miss, like, the next season. And so I'm back at school. I am immobilized. I'm sitting by myself. I can't play golf, which I had a fantastic freshman year. I was kind of riding high. Um, I was playing in bar. I was playing guitar in bars. And I just was, like, 
completely depressed, completely at rock bottom. And it wasn't just because I couldn't do those things. It was, it was more of like, without those things, I didn't know who I was. I, I was like completely lost. Um, and that really shook me more than anything. And so it kind of spurred me onto this journey of seeking like, it, who am I? It, you know, if I can't do these things and it just, I lose all of my identity, what's going on? And um, it was around that time that I really started thinking seriously about um, heaven and hell, about how I'm supposed to live. And in, in that kind of honest reflection on my life this far, there was really two things that really came out of that. One was I realized, wow, I'm not a good person. Um, I've, I have a wake of bad relationships. I've hurt people. Um, if I was really honest, um, you know, I deserved hell, and more scarily, I was going there, I think. I was believed of that. I think God really showed me how much I needed him. And so um, the fear of the Lord kind of came on to me. And then at the same time, I feel like the Lord was showing me that he loves me, and he wanted me to be a part of his family. And one of the ways that he did that was every morning I would wake up, well, not every morning, but several mornings I would wake up and I would see this vision, and it was almost like, it was almost like I, I would be staring at my white ceiling, and it was almost like seeing like a flip book, you know, have you ever seen those flip books where you kind of flip it and it tells a story? Well, it was like this little uh, boy who was kind of like Calvin and Hobbes, kind of Charlie Brown, dirty. He had the little stink thing coming off of him, and he was just in the dirt. And he heard, a, he heard somebody call his name. He gets up. He starts running, and then he jumps, and he embraces his father, and immediately this, this, this character just became brilliant white. Right? So I, I had this, and I'm chewing on it. I'm like, this is so weird. I keep seeing this in my, my mind's eye. And one mm. night, I was seeking. I was at a prayer group or Bible study, and I was skipping, skipping along home down the sidewalk. And I was singing one of my favorite songs, um, Invitation Fountain. And I'm hitting every single sidewalk you know, section. And I'm in the dark, and I'm running. And at Xavier, where it, there used to be a Volkswagen dealership there, with trees and stuff, so it was completely dark, and then I, and I, there had this little part of the sidewalk that was lifted up because there was a tree growing up there, and I hit that, and I jumped, and then all of a sudden, I was in brilliant white light because there was a, a light, like a floodlight from the Volkswagen dealership, and I realized, wow, I just walked through this little vision that I was having, and it was God's way of saying, like, I have made you clean. You're not too far gone, right? Um, I've made you clean, and now I've embraced you. And it was like how Moses, the Lord put Moses into the rock. It was like he put me in Jesus. I'm, I'm, and, and it was that point on I just knew the Lord is real. His word is real. It's true. And so my, my state of mind at that time was I'm going to stop trying to do things my way. I, I recently, you know, around that time I also got baptized. I got baptized as a kid, but this baptism was sort of like I'm no longer calling the shots. You're in charge. You, anything you say, I'll do. What you think about something, that's what I'm going to think about it, right? Um, you're, you're the Lord, and I'm going to submit. And, and, you know, as the scripture commands us to continue to live in him, when I get off track in my own life, it's because I forget that. Mm -hmm. I forget, hey, remember when you were in charge and you're like, basically, you wanted to kill yourself? You were so depressed. You were broken completely. Your life was worthless. Yeah. That's, so it's continuing to, to, to live in that. Be reminded of that, yeah. yeah. 
So, you know, the thing that struck me uh, was, you know, you had, you had told us at one point you think you'd gone too far. And I think it's just worth saying, you know, there's no place on earth or uh, in heaven that anybody thinks they've gone too far. God can't deal with them. So I just want to, for anybody who's thinking I've gone too far in whatever part of your life, just want to say um, that there's no place that's too far yeah, it's, for God's love. It's a paradox, right? Because like God judges sin and he cannot stand sin and he draws very clear lines on what is sin and what's not sin. Right. And we've all crossed those. But at the same time, there's radical, amazing grace for us. Yep. And no one has gone too far. Yeah. So how do we put that to practice? How do we apply that, man? Yeah, so I think there's two steps to an application. Uh, one could be remember. Remember when you received Christ. Remember when you were seeking and you were asking those hard questions, what it was like, and then when he broke into your life. And, or if you haven't had that happen, I would challenge you, go. Seek the Lord and ask him to reveal himself to you in a powerful way, and he will do that because he loves doing that. Um, second, and, you know, from that point on for me personally, it was like, I'm going to stop deciding what I think about stuff and I'm going to go to the word and, and have that be, you know, what does the word say? And I think if we can be people who are committed like the Bereans to checking the scriptures and seeing what is true and seeing if things line up with that, then we're going to be in a good spot and we're going to be somewhere that the Lord wants us. Yeah. You, you want to tell them about Exodus 23 too? I think that's a good, yeah, oh, a good, yes. place, that's a good place to meditate. Um, so Exodus 23 two says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Okay, so Christians, especially in our culture right now, are going to have to be people that are moving um, against the grain, right? Um, the, the world is going sideways quickly. Um, and another scripture that I, ha- that I have is Matthew 22. 2237, which is when somebody, they asked Jesus, what is the, the, the greatest commandment? And he says, he says, the first, the first commandment is love God with all your heart and soul and mind, right? And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so, you know, it, it's like it, but it's also, it doesn't work unless what the Lord says and you're loving him first, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Moving forward. All right. Thank you. Well, let, let's move on to part two. Part two is, uh, so, you know, God's plan is for us to live in Jesus and be rooted in Jesus, and uh, we have an enemy, and he is uh, active and uh, all about his business. So uh, Satan's plan is uh, what, we, uh, what Paul here calls hollow and deceptive philosophies. And so uh, it's a reminder that it is ways of thinking that Satan is influencing. Satan is powerless except to deceive. And um, he says uh, here, do not be taken captive uh, through these hollow and deceptive philosophies which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So the thought of this section is that the enemy is trying to convince us that Christ is not enough. So there's, you need more than that. You need circumcision. You need the law. You need asceticism. You need angels. You need some other, uh, some other construct 
uh, besides Jesus. And last week we heard the, the word fine-sounding arguments. And in this text here, we are talking about traditions and regulations and teaching. And so Paul uses this term, elemental spiritual forces, he uses it three times, twice in this letter and once in the letter to the Galatians, chapter 4. And uh, it, it is clearly referring to examples in Colossae where uh, they were adding Jewish rules into the Christian experience for those that were Jewish before, or for those who were pagan before, they're adding uh, special pagan knowledge. That could be about angels, it could be about uh, all kinds of special information. Uh, we referred to the Gnostics as uh, we looked at last week's text. So what is this? Uh, this is uh, demonic activity. This is demonic activity, elemental spiritual forces uh, that, it, that are bringing teaching that appeal to human tradition, regulations, precepts, uh, and teaching. And they lead to bondage, slavery, and captivity because uh, they, they take us away from being rooted in Christ and they take us into uh, this, this bondage of our own understanding. The Proverbs say, don't lean on your own understanding. Um, and so Paul may be referring to these deceiving spirits. And I, I'm going to take you to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, which says, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. So we can say that the, the source of these things, these deceptive philosophies, is always demonic. It can be uh, originating and then obviously passed on from people to people, but its origin is the spirit of the Antichrist because it is saying that Jesus is insufficient. So some deceptive philosophies that we could think about today. Uh, first of all, I'm just going to give you five examples uh, today. Uh, but first is this idea of rejecting creation, moving from the scripture as our authority, which happened in the Enlightenment. It moved to science as our authority or reason. And then recently, in the last 50 years, it has moved from self to the point where you have the rejection that God is the creator and owner and ruler. You have a rejection of uh, the differences between male and female. You have a rejection of uh, marriage. You have a rejection of the roles that are outlined in the first few chapters of the Bible regarding men and women. Anything so you, given is rejected. Pardon right? me? Anything given to you is rejected. Yes, yes. Uh, so... You might hear uh, the admonition to live your own truth. Uh, that is a very common thing. That is self. That is self-law. That is autonomy. Autonomy is made up of two words, auto and nomos. It means self-law. So Michael was saying the Lord Michael was the boss. That is really common in our culture. He's a terrible boss. He's a terrible boss. Um, 
so that's, that's one of the most basic deceptive philosophies that is going on now. We've moved the anchor from scripture to science, and then we've moved it again from science to self. Uh, the second uh, deceptive philosophies, uh, why don't you do those, Michael? Yeah, so, I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing an abundance of, like, abortion in our culture. Um, you know, a lot of this is rooted in a rejection of creation because what people are saying is if a man has the right not to be pregnant, then a woman should have a, the equal right not to be pregnant. Um, we're, we're, we're denying that men and women, as the scriptures say, God created the male and female. We're saying, no, we, we, we want to be equal in everything that we're doing, um, you know, and then taking it down from, I, I think I just heard um, that uh, birth rates through COVID were like an all-time low, like 1.6 or something, um, and you are doing your part to uh, we are that. We're, we're doing our part we're doing our part but that's that's one of those things thank you i'm doing a very small part sammy's doing most of it um, <laughs> but um but the culture says kids are a liability they cost you tons of money they're a hassle you can't live your own truth when you're taking care of them and i think the scriptures would say that's exactly the point God is going to disciple you through the, the, the toil of raising a family and having kids. And you're forced to think about somebody else outside of yourself. You're forced to serve. And it's, it's one of the benefits of kids. And the Bible, you know, when, when my wife and I got married, the Bible says children are a blessing and a reward, right? The midwives in Egypt were rewarded with families of their own for following the Lord. And so... It was as simple as, we, yes, we want to receive God's blessing in our, in our lives. So, yes, we're going to welcome kids in whatever, you know, however we can. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's, another, that's another wave of the culture of, like, how they, we, we can't go along with kids are a hassle. We, we can't do that as, as believers. We have to align with what God says about them. Yeah, the, Bible, the, the psalmist in 127 and 128 says, you know, uh, children are a gift from the Lord, and um, uh, your wife will be a fruitful vine, and olive shoots will be sitting around your table. That's your, that's your legacy um, that will be sitting around your table. Another uh, deceptive philosophy is security is to be found in money or medicine uh, in our culture. And this comes at us in a million different ways. And these obviously work together because... If money is going to be uh, a challenge, then and I've got to save up for college, then I'm going to have fewer kids. It all it all connects together. These are all deceptive philosophies that are operating around us uh, that we we just need to be aware of and get free from, repent from, uh, move away from, and go into what what God has in mind. Yeah, First Timothy just talks about don't put your trust in riches, which are so unstable, but trust in the Lord. And I think, you know, going with that is um, we have to, God's not going to make a fool out of us if we walk out in faith in him. You know, if we do things his way, he, he will take care of us. He's a good father. Um, and that's, I think, part of what, what it means to walk in faith. Uh, another, uh, number four here is uh, anything that has no Jesus or Jesus plus X. So uh, a no Jesus example is a lot, of, a lot of deceptive philosophies are anchored in God. But God, apart from 
who Jesus is. A, a God apart from uh, the one who became one of us. And so lots of examples of that, but probably a good one uh, is all of Freemasonry. You know, God is, you know, the big G you see on the license plates. God is actually called Gautu, G-A-O-T-U, the great architect of the universe. Partly true, obviously, but no Jesus. And that, that is a wake-up call. Or Jesus plus, and here you have obviously the, the great American cults of Jehovah's Witnesses, of Scientology, of the Mormons, who, who identify Jesus incorrectly. Or you need Jesus plus the Book of Mormon, or Jesus plus the Watchtower, or Jesus plus whatever else uh, might come along. These might be a little easier to see, um, but those are, those are the questions. Is if, if there's a lot of pressure on, you know, you need something other than Jesus. If there's like, uh, you know, if it's all about being the best version of yourself, if that's the, the highlight, that's a, that's a challenge. That's, that's a question because the only way we have a hope of that is to be living in Jesus. Does that make sense? Okay. So um, that, that's some deceptive philosophies. I want to spend a little more time on one that is probably swamping our world right now, and that is critical theory. And I can't do this justice in a, in a few minutes, but I'm going to give you enough so that you can read and you can check it for yourself. Um, so critical theory is a philosophical rebranding of Marxism. So Marxism 1.0 uh, is a demonically originated idea. It's been proven in the writings of Karl Marx, who was a believer, wrote poetry to Jesus, and then changed, and through his own writings, uh, was committed to a uh, class revolution, class warfare. So the morally good are the working class, the proletariat. The morally evil are the bourgeoisie. Uh, the only way to deal with this is that the morally evil have to be overthrown by the power of the morally good. The results in several countries, 100 million dead. It's a failed and deceptive and hollow philosophy. It's been rebranded from 1.0 to 2.0 by scholars, mostly in the academy, starting in Germany in the 1930s, and working all the way through to today. It's been called neo-Marxism, it's been called cultural Marxism, and now recently it's been rebranded critical theory. And what they did is they expanded the class focus from the oppression of the proletariat by the bourgeoisie, and they've expanded it to other oppressed groups dealing with matters of gender, race, and sexual identity. So they've made it a, a, a full, smorgasbord of, of theory. Uh, you may have heard of critical race theory. I'm just giving you the original critical theory root of this. Morally good is all oppressed victims. That's poor people, women, people of color, LGBTQ people. The term intersectionality you may have heard is, is that if, if you are a poor woman who is African-American and happens to be gay, 
you are fourfold oppressed. You are intersectioning these four different things and you are now in a more holy category of righteousness because you have met all these different uh, identity checkpoints. The morally evil people are all the oppressive uh, systems and structures of capitalism, patriarchy, uh, white supremacy, Judeo-Christian sexual morality, all of that is considered uh, oppressive. Uh, so uh, the result of that is a system of thought which is gaining wide acceptance in the academy, in the law, in the government, and in the church because it is essentially a religion. It sparks religious fervor. So the critical theory uh, is attempting to move this whole conversation uh, of the holy way out of this is power, revolution, oppressed against the oppressor. What this theory denies is any kind of due process of discussing what might be right or wrong about that. It is held with like this religious fervor. It is all about power. It denies the gospel and the power to be reconciled, to be forgiving. And uh, it is therefore a false gospel. It's infiltrating all aspects of our society. Let me give you a short quote from an article written recently by Tim Keller. In this new culture, companies, institutions, and governing agencies are now tasked not with treating all individuals equally, but with the moral obligation to defend uh, what is highlighted as a victim, those who have been oppressed by the powerful. This provides a second ring of honor in the emerging culture. The central ring of honor is the victim. The emerging ring of honor uh, is the second ring, is those that come to be defenders of victims. So now there is no better way for a business, school, or government to gain honor and, frankly, to divert attention from their own wealth and power than to mercilessly punish anyone seen as a victimizer. Campbell and Manning, two critiques. Uh, a critique of this is that this new honor society, which is also called the cancel culture, ends up valuing fragility over strength, creating a society of constant good versus evil conflict over even the smallest issues as people compete for status as victims or as defenders of the victim. It atrophies our ability to lovingly overlook slights. 1 Peter 4.8 says love covers a multitude of sins. It, it denies that ability, and it, most of all, it sweeps away the very concept of forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness is seen now as radically unjust and impractical, as short-circuiting the ability of victims to gain honor and virtue as others rise to defend them. So uh, that is it in a nutshell. And so I just want to give a brief example. You know, we are being told uh, that uh, uh, in the transgender uh, world that there's a new truth that he is now a she or she is now a he. And we are expected to go along with that as, as it was somehow a rewriting of creation. Uh, we are uh, further uh, seeing that even in the, as this thing moves along and as th this becomes defended and, 
and righteousness is expended over this, we, we now have a guy like Richard Dawkins who is a materialist. He just has parked himself on science and materialism. And he says, uh, XX chromosome is a woman, XY chromosome is a man, period. So now the award he got from the Humanist Society 25 years ago is being rescinded because he's transphobic. Or even Caitlin Bruce Jenner themselves will say it's not right for a biological male to compete in sports with a biological female. That's just not fair. Now, Caitlyn Jenner is being attacked as being transphobic. That's the nonsense. That's the nonsense of critical theory. And there will be attacks and attacks and attacks and attacks until it's the, the, the place is in tatters. And we can look at Marxism and its history, and we can know where we're heading unless we change and expose this for what it is as a lie. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is coming up. I mean, I'm sure everybody has experienced it somewhere. I know at my job we had to do um, basically diversity, equity, and inclusion training, which is sort of like... Uh, Marxism 101, and I had to answer a question on a quiz. The, 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 the question was, um, the singular way to refer to somebody who is gender unidentified is they. And it's like, I can't answer that question how they want me to answer that because it would just break the English language. It doesn't make sense. It's not true. Um, and I think that is part of how me and Sammy have been going about it is, look, we don't have to make a bit, we don't have to fight every battle, but we definitely can't go along with a lie, with a blatant lie uh, that's put in front of us. Um, I, have a, I have a friend who spent a long time working at a, a church, um, and he uh, wrote an article, and the gist of the article was um, about raising daughters, and it was about you know, our culture can't give our daughters everything that we need. And here's a, here's a few things from the scriptures that we want to train our daughters in, like to submit to a spouse, to love motherhood, to, to operate in a, in a quiet and gentle spirit, um, to submit to the Lord, things like this. And this was met with so much backlash that um, he, he ended up losing his job. Um, at a church. At a church for, for, for writing about what the Bible says about young girls. So um, this is definitely an example of, of you know, the, 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 the cancel culture. Um, another thing that was revealed in, in the training was, you know, as, as the critical theory applies to race, um, they, they want to make divisions based on the amount of melanin you have in your skin. And that's not a biblical idea. Race is not a biblical idea. Um, a great scripture is Acts 17.26, which says, From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Right? So that word nations is, is ethnos, which is where we get our word ethnicity. Right? So we, we should relate to one another are different ethnicities. We come from different geographical areas, 
God actually created those borders is what the scripture is saying. And so he is, you know, he's okay with people having different cultures. That's okay. He, right. You know, that's right. how it's going to be in heaven. All nations, all languages are going to come together. But there's still these distinctions. Um, so, you know, this training, it was like, no, it's just them versus them versus them based on a biological trait, which is nonsense. So that's all we can do on critical theory today. We, we just want to give you a taste. And in terms of application, you know, think about considering how deception might come into your world. Consider how to establish strategies to remain watchful and seek community for ideas and encouragement. So on your, on your, pay, on your chairs, there's a couple of pieces of paper. There's a piece of paper with stuff on both sides. If you're watching online, this, is in, this, will, this link to these documents will be in the YouTube video. And uh, I just want Michael to spend a minute or so just talking about what his family's doing. And then uh, I will just uh, give you some resources and uh, talk about a worldview equipping class we're going to have. Yeah, so we, we did go through a, a, a worldview equipping, equipping class that we had at the church here. And it was very, it was really great. We, we, you know, we sort of talked about some of the issues sort of on both sides of the political spectrum. You know, I sort of realized there was stuff that I was getting into that was, that was weird. And, um, you know really a lot of the conversations that we were having was about, hey, the world is moving this way and we need to prepare our kids. Um, and so a lot of the things that we, we sort of made were um, where, you know, we need to make the Bible the focus and we, our kids need to know the Bible. They need to understand what truth is. Um, you know, boundaries with technology, uh, living a weekly rhythm, the type of education. You know, you see news reports that critical theory is being taught in schools, in public schools, okay? So that's, that's something that we just need to know about and, and, and be cognizant of. Um, you know, uh, the, the type of business that we, that we are, are in, you know? Um, you know, I'm in a position at my job that is, is a little bit precarious if I want to live not by lies, and, um, you know, uh, live a way that honors the Lord. And so, I mean, I guess I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, those are just a few things here that, that have been helpful to us to realize, hey, we're in a battle here against deceptive philosophies. Amen. And on, uh, on the fourth point there is we're going to have another worldview equipping class. It'll be Wednesday nights from 8.30 to 9.45 p.m. on Zoom. There will be six sessions Contact me at marymontchurch.org and uh, we will go through. And, and the books and resources for this worldview equipping class are listed on the other side of the sheet from Michael's Family Game Plan. And by the way, Michael's Family Game Plan, every family that was in our first session, we had 13 families, they each did their own game plan. Um, and so those will be available. But if I could encourage you to read one book uh, to articulate and get deeper into what I have shared today, it would be the third book on uh, the third resource, Why Social Justice is Not Biblical Justice by S.D. Allen. Um, so that will be a, a super resource for you if you want to learn more about this. So we're going to move into part three of the message, and uh, we're going to wrap up with God's process for kingdom victory. In other words, God's called us to live in Jesus. God's warned us about deceptive philosophies from the enemy. 
And then the rest of this passage lays out six different processes and, and resources that God gives us to overcome. And rather than give you a long list of six here, I've bunched the two in the middle, uh, and that is how you get started with Jesus. The next two, B and E, that's how you grow with Jesus. And A and F, that's how you overcome and finish with Jesus. So we're going to spend a minute on each of those. So, uh, Michael, let's start with a new life in Jesus. Yeah, so baptism is a, a big part of that. Um, as, as it says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When I had my next, moment. Next slide. When I just experienced God, I know he's alive. I know he's real. Jesus, Jesus rose from the dead. And the hope is that we also... Um, raised from the dead. Um, and so it's a, it's a call for believers to return to their first love. Remember when you were broken and you had nothing and God stepped in and saved you. Um, and then also to, to non-believers, um, pursue a moment like this. Seek God. Reach out to him. No one can do that work for you. You have to uh, reach out to him. And the scriptures say that he is, he's not far. He's not far from any one of us to grasp. Amen. Second uh, is to grow, uh, to be constantly cleansed by Jesus. And this happens uh, by the spiritual surgery that Jesus himself does in our bodies, souls, and spirits, uh, the circumcision by Christ, and also the forgiveness of sin that we have by his blood shed on the cross. So there's a constant process where we're submitting ourselves and, and Lord, circumcise my heart if my heart's not right. And confessing and seeking forgiveness for sin. And this is a daily process. And uh, it's a battle. It's a battle uh, that we fight every single day until uh, we are home with him. So it's an encouragement. This passage, is an, these two are an encouragement to continue growing. And then finally, uh, to finish that we're destined to overcome. And uh, Michael, you want to hit that? Yeah. Re remembering the supremacy of Christ, um, the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Um, this, when, when we have to make decisions that are unpopular, I, I think for believers, suffering is inevitable in, in, in that maybe we're seen as old-fashioned or bigoted or, or whatever it is, um, just trying to live true to the word. Um, so 1 John 4, 1 through 4 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So believers have nothing to fear. You have the Lord. You can walk in faith and, um, you know, it, it is, it, he, is go he is going to protect you and save you. It's also another, you know, where it says, test the spirit, see does it acknowledge Jesus is true? Jesus is real. He came in bodily form, right? If, if, if a philosophy denies that, then we, we should have no part in that. 
And then uh, the last thing, Jesus has triumphed over them by the cross. All these enemies, all these deceptions, everything, all the sin, everything has been triumphed over the by the cross. So he is all, he is enough, he's all we need. So the worship team's going to come up. Come on up, guys. We're going to uh, close. Uh, Michael's going to lead us through our final application. Yeah, so we have... Uh... If, if there's something that you have been uh, party to or believing in that is a deceptive philosophy, just repenting of that and turning to God's truth about it. Um, turn to the supreme Jesus as your only hope. If your hope is anywhere other than in Christ Jesus, then just repent of that and remove that obstacle. Um, accept, welcome, and prepare for rejection, humiliation, and suffering as God may allow it. I have something personally at my work where I'm being asked to sell something that is uh, LGBTQ branded, and I'm really battling that. I, 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 think, I think as a believer, I, you know, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't be putting that out there, perpetuating that. And so, you know, this is just a, a situation that, you know, we're, we're dealing with, we're praying about, and we're, and we're trying to figure it out. But know that believers all over the world are doing the same thing. And it's, when we suffer for his name or staying true to him, there's blessing there. And we're, we, we should rejoice that we're counted worthy. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to have uh, prayer teams up here. Um, you and me. Okay. After the service, if anybody wants prayer. No, during this song. During the song. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Are you going to do the benediction? Oh, yeah, that's after. You pray. Yeah. Okay. Lord, uh, thank you for your revealed truth of Scripture um, thank you that your mercies are new every morning and that um, we, when we need help, the word says in Hebrews to come boldly before your throne and ask for it, and we will receive grace in our time of need. And so, Lord, we, we ask that you would mold us. I know that our destiny is to become molded like the image of your son, Jesus, and we ask that you would work in us in a powerful way to bring you more glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Wash me clean from every sin I break your heart again sometimes and I just walk away trying to build on shifting sand I know I'll fall down once again I cry But you lift up my face And like the dawn Your grace is rising You made a way To make things new
places, no more shadows, there's nowhere to hide. So I let down my pride. Here you meet me, heart laid open. Still I hear your song And like the dawn Your grace is rising You've made a way to make things new And like the dawn Your love is rising you made a way to make me new. Captured my heart, you dance over me. Sing a new song, tells me I'm free. Keep me there till the end of all my days. to the light when you say I'm wrong find my way home to where I belong and hold me safe in your arms of perfect Lord. Thank you for keeping us, Lord. Thank you for keeping us, for saving us, for keeping us living in you. Lord, keep our minds alert for things that are deceptive. 
that we'd be rooted in you, and that we would start and grow and overcome and finish in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, as we stand, let's uh, speak this scripture over one another as our benediction. Let's read it together. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Have a blessed week. Bring the kingdom wherever you go, and uh, enjoy the glorious salvation of your God. Amen. Amen.